Olympic City and the home of Pikes Peak, this is the Automotive ADHD Show with Matt West. And here we are rocking in on the Automotive ADHD Show on AM 1460 and FM 101.1, The Answer. Matt West here hanging out with you on a gorgeous Colorado weekend talking cars. I have returned from my trip to Las Vegas for the SEMA convention. I've returned to some wonderful Colorado fall weather. It's been sunny. It's been nice. I even dug the S2000 out and put the top down for a little bit. Turned that heat on just because it's a little chilly out. Not bad. Not bad. But that being said, I have a loaded show for you today. We're going to call it sort of a Veterans Day special. Yeah. So I have uh, coming up here later in the show, an interview that I did. Now, I'm digging this interview out from the vault. I did it about a year ago on my podcast uh, before, obviously, the show was on this radio station. But it's a really important interview, and I think it's just as relevant now, if so, you know, more than ever, because I talked to Sean Bedingfield. He is an Army combat veteran who is a veteran's mental health advocate, and he has a way, he says, to help veterans cope with some of the effects of PTSD by using cars to help them cope with that and the mental uh, the sort of mental benefit that cars and the community around cars has. So we're going to get to that. I'm going to play this interview for you. I think it's really exciting. I think it's really special that you hear it. Now, of course, if you're tuning into this on the radio, yesterday was Veterans Day. So I think the timing is perfect. Now, I also before we get to that, I want to talk a little bit about F1 and how it's coming to Las Vegas here in about a week. And uh, F1, I was, well, in Las Vegas, I was just there for the SEMA show, the SEMA convention, and I did this show from there. If you missed that, oh, man, you're missing out. You're missing out. If you are going to tune into any show on the podcast, you really got to tune into that one. It was a ton of fun. I put in a ton of work as well to get there and and do the show from there. Um, and and of course, it was a wonderful show with Wesley Kagan, um, YouTuber and entrepreneur. I had Amir Bentatu, Motor Trend TV show host, uh, an all around great guy uh, on the show. So you really don't want to uh, you don't want to miss that show. Um, but. I returned from SEMA and got to see while I was there a lot of the stuff firsthand um, and how they're converting the city to be an F1 track. So we're going to we're going to touch base on that. Now, I am I'm pushing a little bit through a bug I caught while I was at SEMA. I'm feeling pretty under the weather, but that's okay. You can't you can't keep me down. uh, And not talk about cars, right? Now, I don't think uh, rain or shine, you know, one way or another, I'm going to be here on the radio talking cars uh, with you. I I can't shut up about them, which is, you know, for for better or for worse. But um, anyway, before we get to that, did you see this? Um, Chris Rosales from The Drive, hat tip to him for spotting this. A uh, racetrack for sale in Michigan. Um, And I think that racetracks are... I mean, racetracks are closing left and right. We know that. And so the opportunity to purchase an entire two-mile road course with another 1.25-mile motocross track behind it, oh my goodness, this is a wonderful opportunity. Now, this track's not going out of business because of, um, you know, any regulations or sound ordinances or communities, you know, housing developments encroaching on it. Seems like the owners just want to get out of it and sell it and let someone else have it. And that's great because somebody... 
who has, you know, maybe a little more meaningful salary than I do working in radio here, but somebody should come along and honestly buy this thing. It is a gorgeous looking road course. It's got um, facilities. It's got garages, bathrooms, buildings on it. I mean, it is a fully fully equipped track. So, I mean, obviously, you know, I'm, you know, I, I may, I'm probably not going to give you good investing advice on this show at any point. Uh, in fact, you should never listen to me when it comes for money. But I, I should tell you, I, I can tell you how maybe you should spend your money. I don't know if I could tell you how to make more money, but this, this, uh, this track here is uh, is really cool, and uh, I think it's so important when these come up that somebody with the means, uh, who somebody who's a car enthusiast, needs to come along and buy this thing. Because if not, there's a chance it could be bought by a housing developer who sees no value in the racetrack and just says, hmm, yeah, we can build X amount of houses on here and it'll make us X amount of, you know, $100 million or whatever, right? Um, we need less of that. We need more racetracks. We just had Bandamere here in Colorado close its doors, um, hopefully to reopen in a few years at another location. But still, we are losing racetracks at a record pace. We need to not let that happen. Um, so uh, if you want to you know, keep racing alive or maybe you just want a uh, fun backyard sort of toy a racetrack an entire road course. Come on, man. How cool would that be? Just you and your buddies rip around this road course whenever you want. That would be pretty fun. But hey, you should, you know, you should if you do that, you should invite a certain automotive uh, uh, talk radio host. But uh, anyway, so uh, now speaking of racetracks, um, Las Vegas is becoming a racetrack. Um, so Formula One is going to be there uh, about a week from today. And uh, now, granted, they have been setting up this track for a while. I was there uh, last weekend at SEMA, and it was a fascinating experience there because the entire city is kind of having to build around this this track. There's there's barriers, there's um, uh, you know scaffolding, there's sections of roads that are redirected and closed off, and it's amazing the amount of infrastructure and effort that they're putting into turning this city into a racetrack and. That being said, it also made for an interesting time commuting around Las Vegas during the SEMA convention because SEMA had 150,000 attendees thereabouts, and I was, you know, one of them. And um, so, I mean, you you have that sort of crowd coming into the area. It's already a bonkers time to try to travel around there. It's impossible to get anywhere via car. Um, and that was further compounded. Whenever I rode with an Uber driver, they were always talking about how, oh, it's so much harder getting around the city with all of this F1 stuff going on, um, let alone just the regular convention crowd, obviously. And um there were some interesting workarounds to it. I did uh, have some experience with the Tesla tube, the Ve the Vegas loop, as it's called, which is an underground sort of tunnel thing that Tesla's drive through. And it's you pay like four bucks for a day pass and you can ride this thing all day, which is cool. Now, going back a couple of years, Elon Musk kind of sold this idea that he would have his boring company, his tunneling company, build these tunnels. And then we would put Teslas in the tunnels and they would all be automated and they would be self-driving and they'd be doing 100 miles an hour through the tunnels. You can get anywhere in the city in a couple of minutes. Um, and the, the Teslas would be able to do that because they were all going to be self-driven. So and they would be connected to each other. So the idea is that, well, yeah, they can you can have a higher rate of travel in theory if you were to um you know, have all these cars be connected. If one slows down up front, they all slow down, right? Well, as it turns out, 
It wasn't quite that way. It was, while I, I will I'll preface it by saying this, it was wonderfully practical and useful during my stay in Las Vegas. Um, but likewise, it was kind of disappointing too. Yeah, I was a little disappointed in it. And uh, I'll tell you a little bit about that. I'll tell you a little bit more about some of the, um, the preparations that are going on in Vegas for F1. And uh, we might even, if there's time uh, before my guest, uh, we might even talk a little bit about a couple other interesting cars I had a chance to take a look at while I was at SEMA. So, hey, don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Automotive ADHD Show right here on AM 1460 and FM 101.1 The Answer. Almost forgot to mention, after the break, I'm going to tell you how you can win some free stuff. And some really cool stuff from this month's sponsor of the show that's coming up right here in just a minute. At the Speed Council, getting things done fast is our priority. We do everything fast from driving, working, sleeping, and eating. Someone help! He's choking! This is Tim. Hello. And by the time this ad is over, he'll have bicycled across the earth 69 times. Nice. Even if our name sounds unfamiliar, you know our work. F1? Pfft, child's play. The world's first supersonic jet? Yep, that was us. Apollo 11? Also us. The fastest animal in the sea? Hell, we even wrote the Wikipedia article. Fast. And we're so dedicated to speed that we've genetically engineered the world's first hyperspeed speed machine. With this scientific breakthrough, you can interact with and download your favorite automotive podcast a whole day early. How's that for fast? Learn more at facebook.com slash automotive ADHD. This message approved by the Speed Council and the Church of Fast Things. The news and events that matter to you. AM 1460 and FM 101.1. The answer. Oh man, there we go. Christopher sent those car sounds in his 1984 Fox Mustang, a Mustang GT with a 302, some mods as well. Cam, heads, intake, four barrel holly carb, sounding really mean. So that is great. I love the Fox Mustang. I think the Fox Mustang, the entire generation of those Fox cars, um, is really kind of an underappreciated classic. At this point, with tons of performance potential and modifiability, uh, really great stuff. Christopher, thank you for sending those car sounds into the show. And by doing so, you, sir, are entered for a chance to win the P12 Pro dash cam from this month's car giveaway sponsor, car sound giveaway sponsor. We're not giving away a whole car, but car sound giveaway sponsor is uh, Pelsey, P-E-L-S-E-E, the makers of the P12 Pro dash cam. Uh, the P12, by the way, I talked about it last week. It's a great dash cam, and I think you absolutely, if you have a car, you must have a dash cam. And that was further reinforced to me um, with the uh, untimely 
damage to my AE86 uh, that got backed into. A dash cam would have saved me a ton of headache right there. So um, that being said, the P12 is an awesome dash cam because it effectively replaces your mirror. You can keep your windshield uncluttered uh, and with, you know, all these different accessories and stuff. I hate a cluttered windshield. Keep it uncluttered. The P12 uh, Pro dash cam doubles as an extended 12-inch mirror. It essentially clips onto your mirror and replaces your mirror as a dash cam, as a backup camera, as a rear-facing dash cam, all in one, um, and it that that uh, 12-inch mirror doubles as a touchscreen as well, and uh, really, really well-thought-out product, in my opinion. Um, it supports 4K and 1080p recording. It really solves a lot of design shortcomings of regular dash cams, and of course, the best part is you have a chance to win one, just like Christopher, by sending your car sounds into the show, facebook.com slash automotive ADHD. You can also email me, Matt, at throttlewarrior.com. Also, when you win that giveaway, I'm dropping in a couple extra goodies for you. The Automotive ADHD keychain and key tag, as well as the As Heard on the Automotive ADHD show sticker. So a lot of great reasons to send those car sounds into the show. And of course, check out Pelsey. Support the people who support this show. Pelsey, again, P-E-L-S-E-E. Check them out at Pelsey.com for some great dash cam options. Also, they just told me they're working on releasing a new and even more exciting dash camera. Um, And I I can't wait to tell you about it here in the future as well. So you're going to have to stay tuned for that. Now, uh, I was talking before the break about... Las Vegas. I was there at SEMA. Uh, F1 is coming to Las Vegas here very soon. And um, the Tesla tunnel. I was I I had a it was a good I won't say it was a bad experience. The people who run the tunnel, they did a good job. Um, the, the way it flowed was good, even with a lot of the um, volume that was there, volume of traffic that was there because of the convention. Um, they did a really good job. Here's the disappointment. Right. You know, Elon said this was going to be a quick way to get across, you know, Vegas. It's going to be really fast. It wasn't really fast. No, no, it wasn't. We were doing like 25 miles an hour. I know. I know. Like, yeah, I get it. They they so they have real drivers driving these cars instead of self-driving, which actually I would at this point, I'd kind of prefer that. I don't I don't know if I trust that Tesla self-driving 100 percent yet. Um but the, the tunnels, I don't know, in the promotional images I saw a few years ago, they were a lot bigger and they were showing people going a lot faster in them. Come on, man. We were we even encountered traffic in one of the tunnels where a bunch of cars got bunched up and we just kind of had stop and go traffic in the tunnel, which at that point, how is it any different than stop and go traffic outside of the tunnel, like in regular traffic, like on the road? Right. Um, so but I, I think regardless, it was an inter- it's an interesting idea. And um, if you are in Vegas, if you've got the kind of money to spend to be in Vegas for F1, um, you might consider doing that. It's a cheap and easy way to get around town. That's for sure. Uh, Then again, if you've got that kind of money, you should probably go buy that racetrack I was talking about at the uh, beginning of the show here. That's (laughs) that's what you should do. Money advice from uh, from someone here who, by the way, I didn't do any gambling while I was in Vegas because I kind of thought about it. But I've got a much more like I can much more efficiently waste money on cars than I can gambling. And um, and, and, and it's just as much of a waste of money. You're not going to get a return on that investment, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> so anyway, um, now with the entirety 
of Las Vegas turning into a racetrack. Um, it's impressive. Like I said, it's impressive with the sort of engineering they've had to do to make that happen. The sort of infrastructure, the uh, contractors, you got to come out and make all that happen. I mean, it's a huge, huge project. And, uh, and I, I think it's, Going to be interesting to watch this F1 race, which, by the way, is going to be uh, kicking off at uh, is it a kick? It's not a kickoff with racing. <laughs> it's going to be starting. They're dropping the flag um, at 10 p.m. on Saturday. And uh, that 10 p.m. time is to accommodate the European viewing audience, which, by the way, if you're um, that means if if you're way out on the East Coast, um, that that means that your your actual kickoff time is your kickoff. It's not a kickoff. Uh, your actual start time for the race is going to be like 1 a.m. Yeah, 1 a.m. So really nice for the American audience. But, you know, it's F1. They don't they don't care as much about the American audience. I get it. I get it. But that being said, um, here's another thing that was really interesting. And there was a report that came out um, from Planet F1 who says that they, the F1 organizers, were not prepared for the fact that it gets cold in the desert, especially in November. Yeah, they thought, oh, it's the desert. It's always going to be warm there. It's going to be great, right? That's not true. And, and let me explain how this works, especially if you're listening on the podcast, if you're listening online in a, uh, another climate in another country. I have listeners all o- across the world, amazingly, who have questionable tastes in automotive programming. But... um That being said, here in Colorado, we are considered in much of the state an arid desert. And, well, Vegas is just a a, a desert desert. But the fact is, uh, in in these dry climates, you, you don't have anything in the air to hold the heat in. You know, you you don't. There's nothing there. And especially in the higher altitudes up here in Colorado, the sun's really intense. The UV is much more intense at these higher altitudes, meaning during the day it can get really toasty in the sun and you can have a big temperature delta just by going into the shade and that's even further exacerbated by nighttime there's nothing as soon as that sun goes away there's nothing holding the heat in you can see these huge temperature swings from your daytime high you know in the fall in the winter sometimes being in the 60s still in nighttime being way down in the the 30s and even the 20s you can see these 40 degree deltas sometimes and las vegas is is known for that as well because it's very much in the desert and the f1 organizers um, uh, I guess didn't really think this through. Um, and so, uh, one thing that was, uh, said by Ross Braun, one of the F1 management who has now left F1, but he was around for the initial, uh, preparations for doing the Las Vegas Grand Prix. Um, he said, and I'm going to read this here in a couple of spots. He said, quote, the thing, one thing we hadn't considered initially, but the tire companies have dealt with is that it gets very very cold at night. So he says, he goes on to say, uh, when the race is happening, which is Saturday night, it has been known to drop down to three or four degrees, which um, he must be English. He must be British for using the incorrect unit of measurement. He's probably talking about three or four degrees Celsius. So yeah, a little above, uh, a little bit above freezing. Um, and of course, here in the United States, we use superior forms of measurement like Fahrenheit and in miles and inches, just because they make so much more sense than than meters and, you know, stuff like that. But that being said, um, he goes on to say, so it can be really quite cold. And of course, getting the cars to work in those temperatures can be a challenge. The tire companies, he spells tire wrong, T-Y-R-E, uh, further reinforcing that he's a, 
uh, Europeaner. <laughs> uh, he says the tire companies have done some work to make sure the tires can cope with that. We're definitely facing some new challenges, which we've never had before. Um, okay, so I think, I predict that we're going to see a lot of cars spinning out because tires are a challenge, especially performance tires in the cold. This can even be demonstrated with a summer high-performance tire uh, on a streetcar. And we're not talking about like an all-season or anything like that. A true summer performance tire is going to turn into a hockey puck when it gets cold. It, that rubber, its ability to be supple and grip the road is going to completely go away, even as low as like 40 degrees. I've seen this personally with with my cars, with my S2000. If I leave my, my summer uh, performance tires on there that I do autocross with and things like that, um, if I leave those on there into the fall here, um, the, these cold mornings are just terrible grip wise. Like you can spin out going off of a, a highway off ramp with very little throttle. You can kick that rear end out. There's no grip there. And that is absolutely exacerbated, you know, tenfold with these super high performance specialized F1 racing tires. Now, of course, this is F1. So the tire companies probably have a have been working on a special compound just for this one race because of of course they have. The sort of money that's being thrown around here um is is absolutely staggering. Um and uh it, absolutely staggering, you know, when you talk about this and even when it comes down to um uh, ticket prices for for F1 in Vegas, by the way, um, they're they're saying some ticket prices are touching the uh, six figures, some as high as one hundred thousand dollars for that. Um, and, you know, the casinos and the hotels are, I mean, absolutely jacking the prices of their rooms up and every single thing in that city. It's going to be good for the local economy there, I suppose. But I mean, I've heard talks that some hotel rooms, not even the penthouse suite, you're not even talking about the penthouse suite in the Bellagio or something like that. No, we're talking like regular hotel rooms as much as like $10,000 in some cases. So um, yeah, I think that it's uh, it's going to be an interesting time to see. It's going to be very interesting to see a F1 Grand Prix race in the United States, for one. That's not something we're very used to here in the United States. Um, and I think it's going to be really exciting to, to watch this and catch it on TV at the very least. If anything, to just watch for cars spinning out because it's cold. And I guess nobody at F1 thought that. Yeah, it gets cold in the desert. So anyway, it will be very exciting um, to catch that. And uh, well, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of coverage of it here on the show uh, next weekend as we uh, as we get into that. Now, hey, don't go anywhere, though. Um, I'm going to talk to Sean Bedingfield. Uh, he is a Army combat vet. He is a mental health advocate who is using cars as a means to help vets cope with PTSD. You don't want to go anywhere. You're listening to Automotive ADHD. It's right here as a radio show in Southern Colorado, AM 1460, The Answer. You can catch it online as a podcast, um, Spotify, iTunes, wherever, you know, find shows in this or downloaded. I'll talk to you in just a minute. Ladies and gentlemen, the Speed Council proudly presents Automotive ADHD, now on video. For better or for worse, subscribe to Automotive ADHD now playing on YouTube and Rumble. Colorado Springs number one car show by default. This is Automotive ADHD. Wait for it. 
Yeah, Scott's 2002 Dodge Dakota with the 4.7 liter V8. He sent those car sounds in at facebook.com slash automotive ADHD. As a reminder, you've got until the 24th of November to send the car sounds in to be eligible for a chance to win the P12 Pro Pelsey dash camera. So get those car sounds in by then for a chance to win that. Now, I want to get to my guest here. This interview is from about a year ago, but with Veterans Day being yesterday, I felt like it was a really important interview. I wanted to share it with my radio audience here. Here you go. Give this a listen. And he is a big advocate for the use of cars in promoting mental health. His name is Sean Bedingfield. Sean, welcome to Automotive ADHD. Hey, how's it going, Matt? Thanks for having me on, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. When you reached out to me and kind of said you wanted to connect mental health and and cars and that, that that piqued my interest, obviously. And, you know, this is a car show and, you know, we love cars. We we use cars sometimes as an escape. And it made me think about that. And it was a really intriguing idea. And I definitely wanted to hear from you on that. Now, before we get into that, I want to get some of your backstory. Tell my listeners who you are and kind of where you come from. OK, so uh my name is Sean Bedingfield. Uh, I was in the United States Army for about seven years. Uh, I'm medically retired. Uh, during that time in the Army, I was deployed to Afghanistan as an infantryman. Now, I'm medically retired from the Army, which means that I can't work. Um, part of that is due to the fact that I have uh, 100% rating for PTSD, uh, which means that I kind of can't go through the normal everyday life that everybody else gets to, um, given that, that kind of impact on me. So, um, that leaves me out here helping guys, um, connect with one another, doing work, um, intervening in, uh, mental health cases where peer support is really important, uh, in the veteran community. That's kind of my background, how I got there into the mental health space. Largely, it's more, I guess we would define it these days as charity work. And, and you and you you had mentioned to me as well before we before we um, uh, did the interview here. So you mentioned to me that you kind of come from a you're, you're in a small community. There isn't necessarily as much support there um, for mental health and especially for veterans as well. And that so that's kind of ties into that that peer to peer kind of thing you mentioned. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. So um, when it comes to rural living, we don't have a lot of services out here. So it's really hard to get uh, certain demographics of people connected with mental health. Um, given that certain uh, um, strategies for mental health have been used in the past, it leaves a large demographic of men not able to connect with the services or find ways that they could connect with positive mental health outcomes, just because um, some of the language barriers that are involved in dealing with mental health can be very hard to overcome for people who don't have a background in it. It's very lingo heavy, um, and that doesn't translate super well to um, a kind of a basic understanding of how it pertains to you as a human being. So out here in the rural area, we, have car meets we have i mean as much as we can it's uh, we're trying to evolve strategies of dealing with uh mental health and connecting that to what we have where we have it and right here for our community of uh, people who aren't connected to mental health services we have our cars and car meets and car culture 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's uh, uh, car culture is always a is a big source of community, especially in smaller communities where, you know, community maybe isn't as big of a thing. And uh, and we'll, we'll touch on that in, in a little bit here. Now, um, what are some of the challenges that servicemen face after returning um, back to the United States and especially, like you said, in your case as well, from active combat situations too. Uh, what are the sort of things, give, give my listeners some context on the sort of stuff that has to be dealt with in that case. Yeah. So um, after I had medically retired from the army, I was, uh, I was in a state, it was very hard for me to get out into society because I have an autonomic system that is pumping adrenaline into my body and having me stay on edge, kind of like really taut like a piano wire. And at any point, uh, something could set me off into thinking I might be in danger. And then that gets my autonomic system going to pumping adrenaline, looking for things like uh, ways to escape, ways to fight, uh, looking for threats. So it can be very debilitating to be out in the real world. And that left me kind of um, uh, everybody's familiar now with it because of the pandemic, but that left me kind of shut away in my house for two years and I didn't really leave. So uh, that was some of the basis for me entering the mental health world is having overcome some of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and now, so you kind of tied, you know, getting a little bit of an escape from that as well. And I think a lot of people look to cars, look to the enthusiast scene in that as an escape from you know, whatever it may be, be it work, be it, you know, um, difficulties in the family, all, all of that stuff. Cars are a great escape in that sense. How How is that tied into what you have experienced? How do cars tie into that? Yeah. So when I was getting back out into the world, having done a lot of work uh, mental health wise to be in a better place to just exist around normal people, <laughs> um, I had found I, I bought a car that I felt a lot safer with because driving on the roads around people left me feeling, okay, these people aren't uh, taking the uh, severe nature of what can happen to you danger-wise if you don't pay attention to driving. So oh, I yeah. wanted a fast car so I could either get out of the way, I could stop on time, uh, more of a performance-oriented vehicle, so that way I could feel a lot better personally about being out on the road. Uh, and having done that, I, I bought a uh, Ford Taurus show, which uh, it's a bit of a boat, but it does everything that I need it to do uh, right. in that regard. And in dealing with that and getting back out on the road, uh, I was able to kind of connect that with how I had driven cars in my past as a young lad before I joined uh, the army. And this, this kind of, I'm a car guy through and through my dad, he was a mechanic. Uh, I grew up around the shop, you know, and everybody knows in the shop, you got the hot rod magazines, you got oh, yeah. car and drive, <laughs> right? Track, uh, road and track. Uh, so I grew up around those cars, looking at that uh, in kind of car culture, and as soon as I was 18 years old and I could get somebody to give me a loan, uh, you know, I was at the dealership uh, purchasing a 1998 uh, BMW uh, M3 E36 four door. It was uh, it was an escape for me at the time and I didn't realize it. But now having done the mental health work and going back and looking at that and connecting that with what I'm doing with my car now, I was able to see that that was a point in my life at a that car 
what it gave to me was a space where I could think, I could reassociate with my body because on the road when you're driving, uh, any driver knows this. You get a lot of feedback from your car. And that is a form of communication that you're learning. Uh, so we were all young and driving cars. I know everybody for the most part, like had that kind of same experience that I did. You're young, you're driving your car and now you're training your autonomic system, having that input and having your body need to be, uh, on point with where your brain is at and calculating all of that and translating. Okay. What does that steering feel mean, uh, on the road? And you're literally talking another language to your car through your tactile feedback. Um, and that can be a very good mental health space for people to take time and think about problems because it makes your brain and your body reassociate. We'll be back with Sean Bedingfield in just a minute on Automotive ADHD on AM 1460, The Answer. Every day, thousands go without the ability to buy necessary and life-saving parts parts like turbos, coilovers, and wheels. I'm Steve Turbocharge BRZ. It doesn't run because I can play with my connecting rod through the hole in my block. Project cars sit unfinished, waiting for parts, collecting dust. My name is Todd, and I bought a rotary. It's okay, bro, we'll uh, swap it. But no more. You, yes you, can make a difference. More information is available on the Automotive ADHD Facebook page, facebook.com slash automotive ADHD. This is The Answer, online at am1460theanswer.com. All right, those car sounds, courtesy of OBD1 Kenobi, friend of the show, flat six Subaru noises, of all things. You're listening to Automotive ADHD here on AM 1460 and FM 101.1, The Answer. This is sort of the Veterans Day special. Again, if you're catching this on the radio, Veterans Day was yesterday, and we, of course, want to thank our vets who have uh, given it their all and then some, and uh, to do that, I'm talking with Sean Bedingfield. Now, I had this discussion with him on the podcast of this show about a year ago, but I really felt like today was an important time to kind of bring this interview back up to the surface so you can listen to it and uh, hear some of the wisdom and insights Sean has personally being uh, involved with this. So here we go. Let's get back to Sean. You know, and I think in, in a subconscious way, we all kind of experience that with cars because, you know, how many times have you been you know, maybe frustrated with work or whatever, you know, or it's just been a, it's been a long day and you go for a drive, even maybe on your drive back from work, for instance, you know, just thinking about that, you know, the, the car is a great place where you do think of things. You do think of ideas. It is calming in a lot of ways. And I think a lot of us experience that without even really associating that we just know, Hey, this makes me feel a little better. I'm going to go out for a drive, you know? And, and for me, you know, if I've had a long work week, and I go out for a drive on the weekend. I mean, it's like, you, you know, that stress kind of just comes off of you. you. You go after that and you feel like, OK, I feel refreshed. I feel a little bit better. Um, and obviously you're, you're kind of, you know, magnifying that on a on a larger scale, uh, especially when you're talking about 
severe cases of mental health relating to combat stress and things like that. And it's fascinating, you know, that you've kind of connected the dots here aside from just looking at, you know, okay, this makes me feel better. You've kind of looked into this is why this makes me feel better. This is why this helps me. And I think that's very cool. Yeah, absolutely. Like these are, um, I know a lot of people don't have the time or space to do this kind of work. It's very difficult. Um, and everybody has to work a job. So that's kind of where I come in. I'm retired and, you know, I'm just out here trying to help guys. And here's a set of tools that, uh, I can give to everybody. Hey, like, look, you can identify the role that your car plays in your life. If you're having a problem with your spouse, uh, or significant other, however you want to phrase it. Um, you know, Hey, give me a minute. Um, explain to them how your car factors into your mental health. Look, mm -hmm. Hey, after a drive, I have a very clear head. It gives me distance from the problem. And I'm really able to think about something and not have it be right in my face. I could be just kind of cruising and let it just flow over me. Um, if we explain that it gives us a much better place to deal with other people and to show them the significance of how cars, uh, I, you know, and our culture play out, uh, positively for our mental health. And I think that's a really good, uh, emphasis that we can put on cars and car culture that we can show to other people, because I know in the, you know, trying to customize my own car in, it being very difficult to do so and trying to find new ways to do it. All of the interactions I've had with other car people that have either been owners of shops or uh, engineers working on the problem themselves, they've all been really great uh, experiences. And I, I can't say that I've really had a negative experience in dealing with another person around my car and what I was trying to do with it. And I think that's, incredibly significant. Absolutely. And that kind of ties into something I mentioned as well uh, earlier, which which is community right now. I see a lot of uh, vets at car shows. I see a lot of support organizations that show up as well. You go to the bigger car shows. There's always a tent there with there's some organization there that's talking about, you know, veterans and things like that. Um, but, you know, let's boil that down to more of the, the basics there and, and how that relates to community. Not only are you getting a little bit of that feedback, a little bit of that, you know, that break mentally when you're driving your car. But when you're actively engaging in the car enthusiast community, it is exactly that it is. It is a community. And, you know, you talked about how you spent a lot of time kind of just in your house, you know, kind of isolated and being able to uh, break out into a, you know, a community where everyone's sharing a common interest. There's a sense of camaraderie just in the the shared interest in cars and, you know, performance cars and whatever, you know, and in different builds and things like that. How has that helped? Yeah, it's been, um, it's definitely been a game changer, honestly. Um, so as, uh, as everybody kind of has been shown by the way everything is going, um, after having lockdown, we can all say that, you know, significantly it's important to be around other people. Um, so in that regard, it can be, it can be difficult and I'm, uh, guilty of it myself. It can be difficult as an adult to make friends, but it can be really weird. 
Oh, I mean, it, uh, it, it can be, especially when you, you grow up, you know, making, you know, a majority of your friends say as a kid in school, right? You know, you're, you're an adult, you move out of state, you do whatever. I, I see what you mean for sure. Yeah. You all have to be like trapped in there and tortured together. So like, yeah, you guys are going to be <laughs> friends. Oh yeah. So, uh, this, this does provide an opportunity for finding community. Community is incredibly important to our mental health. Um, social support networks can be used to, off put some of the effects of depression. And I honestly, I, most people are probably feeling some of the effects of depression these days. Um, so being in a very conscious, aware space and going out and interacting with people and trying to have positive outcomes um, is incredibly enriching. It's going to leave you feeling better. You can have a smile on your face. I, I've never not had a smile on my face when somebody has looked at me and said, oh man, that car looks really cool. Like, how can you not? Right, right. Absolutely. And I, I agree with that. And, you know, also, too, when you uh, if you ever pass another enthusiast, another owner on the, you know, of a fun car on the on the road and you get that thumbs up, too, that's always good. Or when you give that thumbs up, and the guy's like, hey, nice. You know, that's that's, again, that sense of community that, again, is built around a, a shared a shared passion for for the same thing. Uh, so, and that's, again, I think that's one of the coolest things about the, the car scene. Now, again, my guest is Sean Bettingfield. Um, he is a army veteran. He is a mental health advocate and he is a car guy. Now, Sean, uh, what, you know, folks have a lot of different experiences. Things can be different, especially when you're talking about veterans coming back and stuff. But what would you say to a guy, you know, in a way to get started to this, how would a guy who's been in a similar situation to yours, what would you tell to him in terms of getting started with this? The biggest thing is to seek professional help. If you have access to any sort of professional help, that is always going to be your best bet. Um, I, I tell everybody, it, it you don't have to have negative mental health uh, outcomes to talk to a therapist. And in that um, knowing what the value of talking can do, um, engaging with friends and being social around the car stuff. Um, that can kind of be exactly the same thing. I don't want to say that you can replace, uh, therapy with just talking to somebody, but when you get to the nuts and bolts of it, that kind of is what it, all you're doing is you're, you're able to, openly express yourself to somebody who's not going to judge you. And that's usually a friend or somebody, you know, in uh, a social community of yours. Um, and you're finding validation. Sean Bedingfield, my guest. I want to thank Sean. And by the way, we just scratched the surface of this interview that I had with Sean last year. Uh, we went for another 15 or 20 minutes. So if you want to catch that, uh, you can find that on the podcast. Listen to the entire thing. It's really good. It's definitely worth your time. Uh, and I also want to take a second to thank veterans on this Veterans Day special of the show. There are so many vets. There's 16 million vets in the United States, and they have given it their all and then some. And, uh, and, you know, and, they, and they've done that in a way that protects a lot of our freedoms in this country. That is one of the reasons why we can enjoy cars, enjoy these hobbies, enjoy these things. Um, so really, you know, we have a holiday once a year to thank vets. I don't think that's enough. There should, we should always thank them. So uh, there you go. Now, don't go anywhere. I got a lot of great stuff in the works in the coming weeks for this show. A lot of great guests I met at SEMA that I'm going to have on the show. Don't miss a minute 
of this show. Download it wherever fine shows and, you know, fine podcasts and this one are downloaded. You can catch it on YouTube. You can catch it on Rumble, the Facebook page, facebook.com slash automotive ADHD. I'll see you next week. The news and events that matter to you. AM 1460 and FM 101.1. The answer.